Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, we have a very important show today with a very special guest, a renowned doctor. But we, before we bring her on, just a quick hello to someone who is very special to me and to the show, my producer, Lori Houston. Come on in and say hi, Lori. <laughs> Do I say hi, Lori, or hi, Jane? <laughs> you say hi, Jane. <laughs> well, Lori, rumor has it I'm a bit of a hypochondriac, as you no. know. You know, yes, to say lightly. At the appearance of even the mildest symptoms, say dry lips, I instantly leaped to the conclusion that it might indicate the need for a heart transplant. But that being said, one of the reasons I don't necessarily like to go to the doctor is that sometimes I think there may be a slight disconnect in our communication. And as you know, Lori, I like to be listened to. That's why I'm in radio. Well, the AARP Bulletin recently published a very interesting story entitled How to Talk So Your Doctor Will Listen. And here to discuss strategies on how to maximize your next office visit, as well as give us some tips and tools on how to feel better than before at any age, is our guest today, Dr. Charlotte Yeh. Let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Yeh before we bring her on. She is the Chief Medical Officer for AARP Services, Inc. She works with the independent carriers that make health-related products and services available to AARP members to identify programs and initiatives that will lead to enhanced care for older adults. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ye. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you very much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I, for one, am listening to everything you say. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> I must tell you, I was reading in the story, which is really excellent, by the way, that studies have found that doctors let patients speak for only 23 seconds on average before cutting them off. And, and one study actually found that primary care patients were interrupted just 12 seconds after the physician entered the room. Well, what can you possibly cover in 12 seconds? Even my imaginary illnesses take much longer to describe. So, doctor, why is it important to have this doctor-patient dialogue? Oh, it is absolutely important because if you can't tell the doctor what's on your mind, what you're worried about, what's bothering you, what's hurting, what's not hurting, um, the doctor won't have no idea of how to go about getting to the right diagnosis, the right treatment. He has to understand who you are, how you're living, how you're coping in order to recommend the right kind of approach and treatment for you. Yes, and doctor, let's, let's talk a little strategy here. Uh, some suggestions uh, were mentioned in the story and I'd like to go over them, if that's okay, one by one. So uh, let's start with make a human connection uh, right away. You know, I guess we tend to forget that doctors are people too. And I remember having an uh, echosonogram of my heart and complaining to the tech that the doctor was so cold and disinterested and he kind of scared me. Um, 
And she said, well, he scares me too. And of course it turned out it was his wife. I mean, who knew? <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but it says in the story, ask how they are too. It sort of breaks the ice. I mean, the doctor, not necessarily the wife. Um, that sort of breaks the ice. Is that, is that important? So absolutely. Um, you know, the doctor is a human being too, and a person. And sometimes if you express a little interest in them, they'll reciprocate and, and express interest in you as well. So if you just say, how was your day going? Or, um, you know, gee, that's a, a, you know, I've done this with my doctor. Gee, I love your shoes. Those are really great. Um, and we start with that little bit of conversation and it breaks the ice. And now it becomes a dialogue um, where you can connect with them and they're also interested in you. You know, they, they find me fascinating because I ask them things like, are you sure humans can't contract elm blight? And they say, you know, they've never had questions like this before. So I think that that sort of breaks the ice about my various uh, ailments, real or imagined, right? So, uh, but that's that's very good advice. And, and next up is um, stay on message. Now, I have to tell you this to get a little personal here. When my husband um, sees a, a new doctor, I, I refuse to go with him anymore because he's the type, he will ask for more sheets. You know, you fill out the form and he needs extra sheets to fill them out. You know, it's like, it's unheard of <laughs> in, in any doctor's office. I mean, they see him coming and they go, oh, no, no. Um, and he'll start with his having measles and pneumonia, like when he was six. And then he works his way through his bad knees um, that he sustained in college football injuries. Um, now he's 68, I might add. <laughs> so, um, but it says in, in the story that according to Medscape's uh, uh, two, 2016 uh, physician compensation report, most doctor visits last 13 to 16 minutes. Now, if we have a lot of present issues uh, to be discussed, how do we pare this down so we're able to fit everything in? Putting my husband aside for the moment. <laughs> right. So I, I know it, you know, what we really love to do is to give all the details and the whole chronological order from the moment we were born to where we are today, thinking that that is the most helpful. But if you only have those 13 to 16 minutes, you want to make the most of it. So I would start with what is the most important thing to you? What is on your mind? What is keeping you up at night that brought you into the physician office? And you start with that. And then that allows you to then have a dialogue. If the physician needs more information, they will ask, you know, additional questions. Um, or you can provide information that's around the issue that's keeping you up um, at night that's causing you to worry. Um, the advantage for having those um, sheets that you fill out before the office, that's where you can put in all the extra information, past surgeries, past vaccinations, you know, um, medications that you're taking. Um, that can all um, doesn't have to take up your valuable talking time. Right. Well, my husband, I think it takes about three and a half hours for him to fill out the uh, <laughs> the medical history. I said, Bob, please, please keep it to the present here. You don't have to go all the way back to the, you know, when you were 10. Right. Um, right. But but next up, and of course this all all fits. Um, we have we we are suggested to tell the the whole truth, and and I guess some patients uh, tend to make their symptoms worse, <clears throat> or or omit some of them for fear that they might actually have something serious. And and I have to say, true confession, um, that I lied about my age when I was going to have a hip replaced and I just took a few years off. I mean, it wasn't a big deal, but my husband said, you can't lie to your doctor. I mean, especially like the anesthesiologist. I mean, he bases something I would think on your age, how much they drug they give you. But, um, 
how many patients admit, let's say, that they may have a, a drug or an alcohol problem? Do you find that that a lot of patients uh, uh, perhaps uh, omit facts or, again, they, they make things up? Um, it, it is very true because, um, you know, patients are people and they feel like they want to please the doctor. So they want to say, okay, I don't really have a drinking problem. I don't smoke cigarettes. Um, I exercise all the time. It's like telling your dentist, yes, I floss my teeth twice a day. Um, But when you're talking to your physician, it's really, really important to tell the truth. You know, if you are drinking three or four drinks, you know, every Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, um, you should say it because this allows the doctor to really know who you are And he will be able to, or she will be able to understand the symptoms that you're having in the context of what you're telling them. The history is probably one of the most critical factors for making sure we come up with the right diagnosis and the right recommendations. So would you say, doctor, that it makes sense to maybe make a list of our issues and and questions before a visit? Because sometimes if we're caught off guard or, you know, sometimes uh, we could get nervous. You know, I've admitted before that I I have white coat syndrome. Every time I see someone in a white coat, my blood pressure rises, even if it's the the butcher. (laughs) So (laughs) Absolutely, because... um, you know, it's it's kind of scary, and plus, then you know you only have 13 to 16 minutes, and you're afraid you won't be able to um, get everything out, or you might forget something. So it's really important to write a list of what's most important that you want to be sure the doctor knows. And then, if you're a little nervous, um, you can actually rehearse it and practice saying that before you go to the doctor's office. So then, it becomes much easier to talk about it, um, especially if there are things that are a little more personal, a little more embarrassing. Um, but truly telling um, the whole truth is important. I, I mean, I can remember my mother having chest pain and not wanting to tell the doctor that it was causing her to stop walking because she got so much chest pain, she thought it was nothing. And I said, Mom, you better tell them because this could be a real heart condition. And sure enough, it was. So it's important to really describe what you, you know, are doing and answer the questions accurately. Yeah, and and on on that note, my husband who was having chest pains, and he somehow convinced the doctor that it was, it was indigestion. Because he's very persuasive. Um, he's a lawyer. He's a lawyer. They always are. Um, but you know, he 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 told her that uh, no, no, no. I've had this before, and I don't think it's an issue. And you know, and doctors, as you say, go by what you tell them. They're not um, mind readers. So if you say, look, I feel fine except for such and such, I think you have to let the doctor make that diagnosis. I think you don't just self-diagnose because I think that's that's an issue uh, because then you don't get the right diagnosis and and he was wrong because he did he ended up having a heart attack he should have gone to the ER but uh, that's that's a whole other story but thank goodness he's he's fine now um, and, and then um, there's another thing that I think a lot of as as we get older we we sort of everything is connected to well it's just aging you know um, you know like being forgetful like I'll be talking to myself phone and look around for it at the same time because I think I lost it. <laughs> so I, w- I wonder if that is just, just aging, but, um, but, you know, obviously it could be, hopefully not in my case, a more serious cognitive issue that should be addressed. So, um, you know, I guess it's important not to just, uh, uh, to, to tell everything and to then let the doctor conclude what's wrong with you. 
Right. And not to make assumptions that it's just aging. First of all, every all of us forget things from time to time. So just forgetting doesn't mean you've gotten old or you've aged. In fact, there's evidence that the older you get, the wiser you get because your executive function improves, your vocabulary improves, problem solving improves. So um, I think attributing to aging is just not necessarily true. We've added 30 years to our lifespan, um, which means we are living older and better than ever. Which is very encouraging. And the older I get, it's more and more encouraging, I have to tell you. I always feel that we should get the wisdom when we're younger and the looks when we're older, but I don't think it works. (laughs) Well, I just think uh, those looks just, uh, they just show the tremendous experience and wisdom we've gained over the years. I like that. I like that. That's a good, good, good way to think of it. (laughs) So now there's this uh, another um, important point, and that is dealing with insurance. And a lot of times some tests are prescribed or medications are prescribed and they're not covered. And, And as you know, they can be extremely costly. How do we bring this up? Is the doctor aware? I'm sure with everything else that you have to do, you don't know exactly what your insurance covers or what it doesn't. But how do you get this all cleared up so you're not getting a prescription that you actually can't afford or even a test that's not covered? Yeah, so so it's really interesting. We think when we're talking to the doctor, we don't want to share. Maybe we have financial difficulties. Maybe we won't be able to afford it. Uh, We want to know that our insurance covers this. And we're oftentimes afraid to talk about that. But that's also very important for the physician to know um, because they can um, think of alternatives. They can make alternative suggestions where you can uh, go where the service might be less expensive or they might be able to intercede on your behalf. So it, you shouldn't be shy about raising that question. It's very common, and the physicians are used to hearing that. So if they, he's, or she at the end of the, the office visit said, I'm going to write you a prescription for XYZ, it's perfectly appropriate to say, uh, can you check that it's covered by my insurance? And if not, do you have an alternative that would be? Um, just about every physician has computerized programs or lists of what drugs are covered by what kind of drug plan. Um, and that can easily be checked. Um, so definitely say so. Or if they're recommending a diagnostic test, you can certainly ask, how much will that cost me? Is there a less expensive alternative? Or how important is it at this point uh, for me to have to spend that extra money? Yeah, because once you get home and you look at it, it's kind of late. It's better to clear it all up while you're still in the office. Right, right. And right. that also makes the physician sensitive that, Um, to be really um, very precise about what it is you must do versus what's nice to have. Um, It is important, is it not, to bring someone with you? Uh, Because a lot of times you miss what the doctor may be talking about or you're not asking the questions that you should. Oh, absolutely. It is very helpful um, to bring someone with you to also hear the same things that you're hearing. So after the visit, if you can't quite remember, you can share um, what each of you have heard or the reminders. Um, Secondly, sometimes you're so nervous and anxious about what the doctor's telling you or what you might be finding out that you actually don't hear the doctor even when he he or she is is talking to you. Um, So it's always better to have another person who can um, take notes. Um, And if you um, forget to ask something or something that's important to you, and you've let your friend or family member who's with you know, they can remind you, oh, didn't you want to say something about your sleep? Um, So it really helps because we're all 
you know, people and we get anxious in unfamiliar um, circumstances. Especially at doctor's offices. <laughs> I, have exactly. to, I, I, I Even more so at doctor's offices. Um, now let's talk a little bit, if you will, about uh, health proxies. Now, I, I can I really trust my husband not to commit me to the home for what he calls the criminally bewildered, you know, at, at, at an earlier age than I actually belong there. But is, is it important to have all that set uh, before, let's say, hopefully not, but you have to go to the hospital or before you need an operation that you have someone else can make the decisions for you if you can't? Someone oh, you trust? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's, it's really, truly important to have um, somebody who can speak for you when you can't. Um, I'm an emergency physician, and I cannot tell you how often someone comes in, um, you know, um, in an accident or, you know, a sudden heart attack, and suddenly they are unconscious, can't speak. And to have someone else who knows what your preferences are, what's important to you, uh, to be there to speak for you is so important. Who knows your medications, who knows your history, um, so that we can make the right decisions for you. And I, I wouldn't wait until you've got some awful disease and, you know, you have six months left to live and then you suddenly go through this. You should be doing it, um, you know, as soon as you, you know, turn 18 or 21 because you never know what will happen to you. I mean, I look at me. Five years ago, I was crossing the street in a crosswalk and got hit by a car. Oh, my goodness. Thank goodness. Yes, and that can happen to anybody anytime. So, Thank goodness I had already identified who in my family would speak for me if I can't. Oh, gosh. All I could think of is that here I'm lying and I hooked up to machines and my family goes, you know what, doctor, I think we should disconnect her. It's been about 10 minutes and we have a, we have a, rest, <laughs> and we have a restaurant reservation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you want to make sure you pick the right person, you know, that, you know, that has your self-interest at heart. But, um, but it, it is, uh, it, it's so, and it's nice to make those decisions when it's not, it's not under duress. It's not under stress, you know, where you have to suddenly uh, make a decision. It's nice to have those conversations because you might not be able to do it the first time you have a conversation, you know, with your spouse or your child or your parent. But as you have the repeated conversations, everyone can get more and more comfortable in knowing um, what you want. So it's never um, too early to have the conversation. And as I tell my children, you know, if you carry an umbrella, it never rains. So hopefully if you have these conversations, it's something you never have to use. All right. Well, that's that's good. That's good to know. I will have that conversation immediately with my husband. <laughs> now, uh, doctor, I always and thank goodness you're okay. I mean, what a freak thing yeah. to happen. Was yeah. this here in Was this in New York City? Um, it actually was in Washington D.C. You know, when I was uh, there for a meeting. So it can oh, happen goodness. to anybody, anytime, anytime, anywhere. Right. Anywhere. Wow. Yep. Oh goodness! Well, let's say wait to the next sentence. Although we should, I think we should, we should keep on that. I'm just so so happy that that, that you're here with us. Um, now, I always tell my audience: if you feel uncomfortable with your doctor for whatever reason, or you're not happy with his or her diagnosis, you you kind of have to be your own health advocate, and go with your gut feeling and and look for a new physician. Um, and it says in the story that there's no shame in finding someone who's who's a better fit. But most people, as you know, they're sort of nervous about changing midstream or they think that the original doctor will be mad at them. So what's the best way to do it so you're not offending anybody? Well, first of all, 
any doctor worth their salt um, is not going to be offended if you want to go to someone else. Um, what's most important is this is not about the doctor. This is about you. And you should have a relationship with your doctor that you're comfortable, who listens to the way that is meaningful to you and that you can connect with because they're going to be your partner in your health and in your life, and you want somebody that you are truly comfortable with. Um, so by all means, if you and that physician don't have the same communication style, there's nothing wrong with changing, and it's appropriate, and frankly, it's better for your health. Now, also on that note, if you want to get, even if you like your doctor and he recommends surgery and you want to get a second opinion, um, is that insulting to the doctor who made the, the original diagnosis? Um, absolutely not. And in fact, if your doctor finds it insulting that you want a second opinion, then uh, that's all the more reason to get a second opinion. Um, it doesn't hurt to um, look at alternative ways to maybe treat the same condition. So you can pick what ends up being right for who you are. Um, it's, uh, it's appropriate, and you might be able to even find it as a less costly alternative, too. And you own, you basically can have access to all your tests and scans and lab results, right? All you have to do is ask for a copy? Right. I mean, you have the right to have um, your health information. You can ask for it, make copies, um, and uh, the um, doctor, the hospital, the medical office, you know, are really obligated to... Um, give you your health information. It is your information. So you can you can you can have it whenever you you want, or you can have them send it. Um, and Dr. Ye, I would love to hear from you your your take your take home advice, your takeaway advice. On we're talking about issues of of dealing with your doctor visit, but I'd like to hear from you ways that perhaps prevent us <laughs> from having to go to the doctor to begin with, uh, except for checkups, of course. Uh, but what are some lifestyle tips that you could share that you think that all of our listeners would benefit from? Well, I can say it certainly doesn't matter what your age is, but moving, you know, staying in motion, exercise, walking. Um, it is shown that, you know, walking as much as, um, you know, a half an hour or an hour three times a week can actually improve your cognitive function, your brain health, your ability to remember things. Um, it's good for your heart. It's good for your physical health. And if you walk with friends, um, that social connection we also know is really good for your health. So I like to say, you know, um, find something that gets you excited to get up in the morning and uh, someone that you can do it with or someone that you do it with and you have a smile on your face, and you're constantly walking in motion, um, that exercise is so powerful. How about nutrition, doctor? There's so many different theories about what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat. Sometimes we are eating something, and they say, oh, no, wait, 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 things, uh, things have changed. You, you're not supposed to eat that. <laughs> so what are some, what are some <laughs> basics that we know are tried and true that are not going to change? Well, I mean, these are, you know, I'm sure, you know, we've heard this from our mothers, you know, eat your vegetables. So fruits and vegetables are really important. Um, the Mediterranean diet has been shown to uh, be good for longevity, for, you know, reduction of heart disease or even some kinds of cancers. Um, antioxidants like, you know, blueberries and berries, um, um, 
can be very helpful. Um, uh, you know, fish that have the uh, omega-3 um, are also really good for you. Um, the most important thing is making sure you have enough fruits, vegetables, um, um, you know, less of the, um, you know, uh, refined sugars, you know, and carbohydrates. Um, you don't really need that. It might be fun. But, um, and maybe the best thing I can say is everything in moderation. You know, don't do all hamburgers and french fries every day, but an occasional french fry isn't the worst thing as long as you've got your fruits and vegetables and your nuts and and uh, watching your fats and carbs. And hopefully, well, my, my husband now eats beans without making a face or a fuss because I think yeah. after you've reached a point where you've had a heart attack, your whole, all of your, the way your outlook on life changes and certainly your diet, you know, and hopefully our listeners don't have to get, get to that point to change and we'll listen to your advice and, and before anything happens like that. And of course, I'm sure you think to, to be happy in general, to think happy thoughts and uh, less stress, right? If we can ever right. have less stress, if that's even possible, it's, doctor, is it? <laughs> it's absolutely possible. You know, learning to breathe, you know, learning to just, uh, it's called gratitude therapy. If every day, you know, you, when you're feeling really stressed to remind yourself what you're thankful for, it can actually switch your brain around and actually help calm and, and reduce the stress in your life. It's a simple thing. Thank you. Well, we thank you so much for being with us today, um, spending some time and sharing your very valuable advice, doctor. And uh, tell us where we can get more information about AARP. Oh, certainly. So for um, really practical um, suggestions and advice, uh, I would recommend in the January-February uh, 2017 issue of our AARP Bulletin, um, the article about how to talk so your doctor will listen we have some very practical advice. Um, what are the most important questions to ask your doctor? It's okay to say, can you repeat that? If I don't remember, do you have printed materials or video or online resources for me? If you have something really private that you're a little nervous, you can always say, can I have two minutes of private time to talk to you? Um, and to be upfront to say, um, what if you can't do what the doctor says they want you to do? And like, um, you need to go to physical therapy, you know, three times a week, and you say, gee, I've got to work. Is there any way I can do some of this at home? Is there a way I can go to a place that's after hours? Um, you know, speak up. It's your life. Um, it's about you. And, uh, and then if you forget anything, do they have a secure email, a patient portal, so you can email or write uh, things, questions, things you didn't think of, things that popped up after you were trying to follow instructions at home. Um, those are the things that will really make the most of your visit and make sure that that visit is about you and what you need and solves what's keeping you up at night. Well, thank you so much for being with us, for sharing your advice, everyone. Uh, the article is terrific, and I, I guess I'm a big I'm a big fan of AARP in general. And now that I'm getting a little bit older, I'm, it's more and more important <laughs> to me. Oh. You know, the most wonderful thing about working uh, with ARP is um, we learn how wonderful it is as you get older. Did you know that your happiness index after 50 goes steadily up? It does. It, it, <laughs> it does. does. It does because you start being more comfortable with who you are. 
And that that is actually that is actually very very true. But you know, it's, it's, when I turned fifty, my my brother gave me a subscription to ARP as a gift. And I, but it's not for quote seniors. I mean, it's for everybody. And the advice that you learn is is it, you know you can be in your twenties and benefit right. from it. Right. I, our whole job is how to make the most of your life. We're we're living longer than ever. So what are we doing to fulfill that wonderful, you know, extra 30 years we have to our lives? And as you said, it's getting longer and our lifespan is getting longer and longer. Right. As I said in the paper today, they've just discovered a whole new planet that could have uh, life on it. So we have all new options where to move right. when you don't want to live right. in D.C. or New York City. <laughs> you, can, right. you can move through outer space. <laughs> life is, is really exciting. So... <laughs> Well, thank you again, Doctor. That's our show, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Yay. And thank you, Lori, as always. And thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.